NFL 2023 schedule is being released today. But what does that mean for your fantasy football drafts? What does that mean for your best ball drafts? Are there certain players you should target? Are there certain games you should target? How do you factor in strength of schedule? How do you factor in Week 17 matchups? That's what we're going to cover here today. Legendary Sickos, a legendary upside and Spike Week collaboration. Myself and Pat Corain, founder of Legendary Upside, Best Ball Mania 3 winner. We're going to dive into everything you need to know about the NFL schedule, Week 17, and all things best ball. Let's do it. So for I'm I like to give away a little bit of behind the scenes goods and I feel like it's very fitting for your brand even though it was not a technical difficulty we're on we're on uh version 2 of this uh podcast episode and it's because uh this time Pat's internet was great it was it was so great in fact it was so great it was so great in fact that the the guy who came to work on his house was just coming through loud and clear in uh in the in the recording that that we were trying to do so um people will enjoy that right freeze frame Kareen uh became famous last year and there was no freeze frame it was just uh, uh somebody came in to work on his uh his i had his a guy house. come into to the backyard yeah so it's uh not like working on i don't own this place but like i need to let a dude in and he's doing stuff in the backyard and um yeah, it wasn't great timing for that. Uh, about 20 minutes of our lives is gone. Uh, <laughs> this, is, this is take two. Yes, take two. Um, it's it was very it was very funny though. But so what we're going to get into today is the NFL schedule. Obviously, you see it on the thumbnail. You you heard it in in the intro. But I I think a it's being released tonight. I'm excited for it. We all get excited for it. In particular, if you play best ball, you're excited for things like the Week 17 matchups and the playoff schedule. But I do think it's important to go over kind of a general strategy. Um, you know, what does the schedule really mean, right? How do we how do we tackle that week 17 thing? How do we tackle the playoff schedule on a site maybe like drafters? How do we tackle the whole schedule, right? On in a cumulative format, week 17 really doesn't matter any more than any other week. But is there anything, any levers we can pull? across the entire week 17 schedule. God forbid you're trying to go after the regular season price in best ball mania four. Is there anything you can do? We're going to cover anything schedule related here today and how you should use it in your drafts. Super quick before we dive in though, some quick housekeeping. If you are a legendary upside subscriber, you get a Pretty, pretty sweet deal if you're playing if you're playing best ball. Obviously, Pat is offering a ton of different uh, promotions, giveaways. I don't know how he's making any money. I guess he doesn't need it, but I don't know how he's making any money this this year. But we're also working on a partnership between Spike Week and Legendary Upside. If you lose, use promo code Leg Up. There'll also be a link in the description. You will get forty percent off of any Spike Week subscription. So right now, our NFL package is three hundred dollars, which will take you all the way through. The Super Bowl, right? So you want to play playoff best ball. There's in-season best ball. There's all sorts of stuff. We will get you covered for $300 normally, 
but you get 40% off. So you're getting about 120 bucks off of your subscription just for being a, a leg up subscriber. You don't have to do anything else. You don't got to sign up anywhere or whatever. You just have to subscribe to Pat and you'll get 40% off of Spike Week. So um, again, description there. And I, I did this on the first take. And so I'm making sure that I don't miss anything. Uh, Pat, uh, what a, a housekeeping promo you have before we dive into the schedule. Yep. Uh, yeah, use promo code leg up as well if you're signed up for Spike Week. And if you signed up for Spike Week like recently, you can do that, right? But if you sign Correct. up under the yes. old pricing, um, then you, you're not eligible for the 40% off uh, because, you know, Eric is trying to, to run a successful business. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he does seem to care about money that comes in so yeah uh, yeah i i do have as everyone sees that's ever watched a show that i do two large dogs who eat a lot of food and have a lot of energy and um i love everyone that uh subscribed before and we did grandfather you in at the old at the old price i appreciate you guys but i can't also give you 40 percent off of that old price we would probably go out of business and my dogs would starve so uh appreciate appreciate everyone but um uh, for the rest of for the rest of this summer, I think well, we're going to have a lot of fun regardless um, sure. in the in and in the whole in the whole best ball streets. Yeah, and so if you were thinking about um, signing up for Spike Week, um, I would highly encourage you to go to legendaryupside.com/early, where I'm offering thirty dollars off your first year. So for sixty nine dollars, you can sign up for me and then unlock a hundred and twenty dollar discount off of the yearly Spike Week subscription off the the NFL package. I mean. That's more. That's more than what it costs to sign up for me. So, at this point, it's just financially responsible to sign up for my site. Um, also, you can get a fifty dollars underdog credit. Uh, there are a limited amount of those, but if you sign up and then you you got to fill out a form so that I have your username to send to underdog, I'll put a, a link to the page with that form in the description. But once you do that, once you're signed up, uh, you can get fifty dollars deposited into your underdog account. There are a limited amount of those, so you got to do that pretty quick this is an evergreen episode so i don't know if you're listening to this in uh mid-june i'm not sure but but for right now you should be good you will be good if you sign up uh you know shortly after hearing this yeah if you're one of the people that wait to draft your best ball teams which a i don't know how people do that um i understand the the ideas of drafting early versus drafting late versus all that different stuff but man if you enjoy fantasy football now that we have all these options i can't i i don't know how to not draft like basically throughout the whole summer so make sure you get in get in early so you can take advantage of everything that pat is offering but today we're going to talk about not just the 2023 schedule of course a little bit about that as that is being released tonight but what does the schedule really mean and where i want to start is actually at the end we'll get to a little bit of the collective schedule and some different things we can do strength of schedule i have some quite specific questions that i want to pick pat's brain on but a, a the most popular subject that everybody probably wants to hear about is week 17. And so if you're just getting started in best ball uh, and you're not, and you're not aware in the playoff formats, like best ball mania, like everything on DraftKings, um, I believe FFPC is, is the same way. You know, you have to navigate your way through the regular season and through a couple of playoff rounds and make it to the championship in week 17. And so we'll often talk a lot about, um, correlations and matchups of week 17 and things like that because basically all the money that gets distributed for like everything we're talking about right now is going to be decided upon the results of week 17 it sounds crazy but that is what it is congrats you drafted justin jefferson last year he was an absolute smash you drafted josh jacobs absolute smash 
Those guys didn't do anything in week 17. They, they didn't help you. It's not to say don't draft them. Of course you should. But just think about how these kinds of results can uh, change so drastically based on that one week and how much money is, is given out in prizes based on that one week. So as we already had a little bit of uh, the NFL's cheating, they're slowly dripping out the schedule. We have one <laughs> yeah, particularly juicy yeah, match. Yeah, and drafters are all. taking notice. They, they have noticed <laughs> that the Chiefs are playing the Bengals. That, that is... <laughs> If you are in drafts, if you are in the spike week discord in particular, every time there's a tweet from any account ever that has any matchup, I don't care if it's like week six, it's getting post like people are like, oh, you know, let's stack the Dolphins and the Patriots in week six. I'm exaggerating, but it's like the sketch. Everybody is so anxious for the schedule. But what it is, is and that so- people are going, don't draft Dolphins. Pay. There's now half the chance that they're in week 17. Don't draft. <laughs> yeah, right. That's what it is. Yes, people have been galaxy braining, you know, divisional matchups and all that kind yeah. of stuff in uh, in their team. So I, look, I get it. I get it. I, I support uh, the part of this show's name is has sicko in it. So I support all of that uh, mental illness that you have related to best ball. We can still but recognize wanna... it, though. We can still. <laughs> yes. Let's, yes. let's uh, I, just understand who man... we are. I am a man of many flaws, um, and I and and I don't really care that I have those flaws, but I also exist. I also understand that they that right. they exist. But week seventeen, obviously, Pat's team last year that won Best Ball Mania had a ton of week seventeen correlations. So I just wanted to kind of pick Pat's brain a little bit on how are, now now that maybe the market also is getting into week seventeen a little bit more. But how are you thinking about it as we head into you know the schedule release, but also your drafts post schedule release? Yeah, I think there's like two conflicting things here. So um, Adam Levitan had a tweet today saying like, you know, yes, week 17 correlation is important, but like it's probably not even the top five things that, you know, we're looking to do. You know, it's much more important to be paying attention to your draft capital and ADP values, proper construction, regular stacking, like all that stuff's more important. And I think that's right. Like, I think the week 17 correlation is not something where you want to, necessarily like build your whole draft around it particularly if you're going to chase like one of these popular game stacks i think that's you're probably like leaving a lot of expected value on the table because you're going to do things like reach or sacrifice you know your own player evaluation to take guys way ahead of value um like i don't really you know i'm I'm a little bit nervous about where Kadarius tony is going to go in drafts am i going to be reaching ahead of his like elevated adp that's reflect, you know, yeah, yeah, I'll probably reach some to get some. I don't want to be completely underexposed to a hyper-athletic player on the Chiefs in a great matchup week 17. But at the same time, like, I do think you don't want to just throw out a lot of the really other important stuff. The thing that's conflicting with that, though, is that fundamentally what we're doing is we are playing a one-week DFS tournament. And there's three qualifying rounds to get a ticket to that tournament. If you don't get a ticket to that tournament, basically the whole year for best ball mania was kind of a bust. Like unless you, unless you happen to finish very high in the overall regular season, but a lot of those regular season prizes are really just kind of like sweeteners, kind of getting some of your money back type of stuff. Like, you know, the, the big top prize and the second biggest prize is in week 17. I, I think that's still what we're chasing. We talked about that last week. Um, you got to get a ticket to that tournament. And when you get a ticket to the tournament, you have to have a team that feels and is, you know, pretty live to win. And 
where maybe a couple things go your way and all of a sudden you're vaulted to the top of the leaderboard. And that's where week 17 correlation is absolutely crucial. But in the same way that you wouldn't just like draft a team like of only rookies and players who you think are going to be peaking in week 17, right? You wouldn't draft a team that's like sacrificing all this stuff to just get week 17 correlation. Cause you do in fact have to advance out of a 12 team league. Then you have to win yep. two straight weeks of finishing first out of a 16 team field. So you have to be able to balance both of these ideas in your mind at once. And I think for me, like in some ways understanding that correlation isn't the most important thing, doesn't mean that you have to like do it less. In some ways you can almost do it more, yes. but you're doing it in ways that let the draft kind of dictate it to you. So like on my uh, winning Best Ball Mania 3 team, uh, I had DJ Moore and Chris Godwin, but I also had George Kittle and Trey Lance did not get back to me in the seventh round. I'm fairly certain that I would have taken Trey Lance. No, George Kittle. I would have. No, no way. You take us taking Trey Lance for two years to two years in a row. What could possibly go wrong? It would have been a $2 million mistake, but I would have done it. I would have done it happily, (laughs) happily. Yeah. This is actually, this is really funny, but it's actually like the perfect lesson in like correlation. You're like, I preferred Trey Lance and there's nothing wrong with that. Say whatever the Trey Lance hater haters want, but the, but the right. And, and the, but the way that this draft, play, you're like, my player take was X, but the draft played out this way. So I did Y because of this correlation right. or largely in part in, because of this correlation. And boom, $2 million. <laughs> right. So I didn't have a quarterback. So through seven rounds, I didn't have a quarterback. I took Hunter Renfro instead of, you know, the, the Lance pick, right? But Hunter Renfro was correlated with, George Kittle. Now that went down is this like hilarious little mini, like, holy, holy shit. Pat really bought into week 17 thing, (laughs) which is true. I did, but it also did create another out for me where I could have drafted Derek Carr later in the draft, because now I've got Derek Carr to Hunter Renfro with a George Kittle bring back. I didn't end up doing that, but I don't mind having that little mini correlation in there. That game actually went off that game was one of the games you that had points. Now those guys didn't really do a ton in week 17, but you know, you kind of like directionally accurate actually to have that, to have that mini. But I had another mini already set up DJ Moore to Chris Godwin, and that made tacking on Tom Brady very easy. And that little trio was absolutely massive. That was kind of the trio yeah. that you needed. Um, or certainly if I'd had Mike Evans, that would have been even better, but he went ahead of my pick in the second round. Um, but then, you know, I was able to tackle on Daniel Jones. I, I started my draft with Barkley in the second. I grabbed Daniel Jones. I grabbed Wondell Robinson. Uh, I had I had Jalen Waddle early on. I grabbed two at a stack with him. I ended up grabbing the Dolphins running backs. I got Mike Kosicki late. I got um, a couple different Patriots, Jacoby Myers, uh, Tyquan Thornton. All of those guys were cheap. And I wasn't like going out of my way to do any of that stuff, really. Like I was keeping it in mind, like this didn't happen by accident, but I wasn't like reaching way ahead. I mean, Tyquan Thornton was my last pick. The two Dolphins guys were my 16 and 17 round picks. So, you know, I didn't, I didn't like press. So I think the big thing is like, you want to let the draft 
kind of give you the correlation a little bit. Don't press and force the correlation. That's where you're probably giving up a lot of edges. But I, my personal feeling on it is to the extent that you're not giving up any of those edges, you do want to add about as much correlation as you can and break pretty much every tie towards correlation because it will actually add flexibility for you throughout the draft where you can go, I, you know what? I don't need to reach on this quarterback because I have another thing set up. Like this is why am I going to reach 12 picks ahead of ADP on this quarterback? who I don't even like that much, you know, and I'll just wait. I might be able to get this other quarterback who's basically the same dude. And you know, he more lines up with the next pick that I have. That's a, that's a big one. Uh, we don't have to get into that today, but I've been uh, stressing that fairly frequently. It's again, these are all things that are, you know, in this totem pole or this decision tree or whatever. When I get to two fourth round wide receivers, not only does it work in this week 17 and correlation aspect, and this is, I guess, a, another form of correlation, but right, I get to the fourth or fifth round. I didn't take one of the elite wide receivers, and I'm deciding between someone whose quarterback is an elite wide receiver or someone else. I can break the tie with Terry McLaurin or Christian Watson or whatever, right? One of those guys, Mike Williams, as opposed to taking uh, now DJ Moore because Justin Fields is gone, right? right. And I, I can, and you don't have to do that. I'm not saying never take DJ Moore because you don't have Justin Fields. I'm saying when you're building out your portfolio, this is one way to add some of that flexibility. From a week 17 perspective, totally couldn't agree more with everything that you said. And I kind of think about it with uh, two different things. And she said, a lot of these things are like very conflicting. Week 17 has to be the simplest concept in like that I can like ever remember in fantasy football th that yet has so much nuance and like kind of it's nuance in when you're in the draft and like implementing it. The concept is like super easy. Like, okay, we understand game stack and we understand everything Pat described about how to take down the tournament. Obviously, boom, game stack makes sense. But once you get in the draft and you have to click the buttons and make the decisions, there really is a, a lot of nuance to it. And so two kind of um, not necessarily misnomers, but sometimes things that people miss. Piggybacking on what Pat said. The first is our goal is not to predict the highest scoring games in week 17 it is may 11th <laughs> these games are happening on new year's eve <laughs> like we are so far away and if you and and if, if you think you can predict all those it seems right now like chiefs bengals how could it fail right, right. How, how how could it fail a you still have to get the right players if it's if it's travis kelsey and jamar chase that both are the guys that go off guess what you cannot physically get both of them in the same draft so drafting Kadarius Tony on that team, you had might have been the, the right idea, but it, it didn't it, that didn't matter because there's nuance to how the results play out. Plus, things change. Remember the Ravens two years ago came into the season. Um, a we were excited about the Ravens offense, right? Lamar, Bateman, Andrews, J.K. Dobbins. Well, then Dobbins gets Dobbins and Gus Edwards both got hurt in the uh in the in the preseason, but we also thought that they were gonna run a lot. And their defense was going to be really strong because it's the Ravens. Their defense is always good, right? Their whole defense got wiped out. The secondary was like a bunch of XFL guys. They were getting wrecked. Ever for, and then Lamar got hurt. So Tyler Huntley starting. This is actually what spurred the Mark Andrews breakout that year was, ah, they're not going to throw that much. We have to take Mark Andrews in the fifth or sixth round because he's not going to get that much volume, even though we know he dominates targets, right? right? But their defense, blah, blah, blah. It's just an example of, we're going to get so much wrong. And it's not even that we were wrong. Injuries happen, right? God forbid. Well, that's the, knock on, 
I think the Ravens element of that is kind of the important one to consider because I don't think that I, I don't really want to make the case that like Bill's Bengals is, is going to fail. Cause I don't think that it is even with the chaos of the NFL season and everything. I mean, unless, you know, one of the quarterbacks gets hurt or something, or there's massive offensive line injuries for one of the teams and that type of stuff can happen, but you know, those teams are going to be good and they're going to put up a fair amount of points, but what if they only put up like, what if it's 27 to 24, you know? And I think to the Ravens point, like, we don't really know which defense are going to are going to be just like absolute pass funnels by the end, by the end of the year, but there will be some and yes. they're going to play another team, you know? And so <laughs> you're, you, you got, I think by just having a lot of different week 17 uh, games correlated, you're giving yourself, you know, exposure to those types of outcomes where, you know, there's like, Hey, I have this team and like, Maybe they didn't even have that good of a season. I mean, this was another thing with with my team, right? Like Brady to to Chris Godwin with DJ Moore coming back. That didn't work like at all ever, except the one week. But it worked that week, and that was the week that mattered. So, you know, if you happen to have a team, if you're able to like sneak a team through that is, you know, you got like a couple pieces on it, and you know, they're playing and you have it, you have those guys stacked, like you know, maybe, maybe the guys who got you there aren't even those guys, but just having the potential for like, well, this weird gross game went off and you've got like three or four pieces from it can be a huge differentiator because those, te- those types of guys won't have gotten teams to the finals. And that right. means they're not going to be well represented in the finals, right? Like if you think about how we get to the finals, you have to finish first or you have to finish uh, first or second in your 12 team league. That's going to, generate a ton of dudes a ton of different players right but then first out of 16 which is higher than last year last year was first out of 10 so first out of 16 that's pretty high bar then first out of 16 again i would expect that we have got i mean last year we had justin jefferson i think on 41 percent of teams and george kittle was on 38 percent of teams and we had a bunch of different dudes who were on i think 14 players were on at least 20 percent of the best ball three rosters Given that it's one out of 16 and one out of 16, I would expect that those numbers to be higher. It's going to be even chalkier. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so actually having pieces of, you know, lots of different games in your portfolio will be important, I think, because maybe, you know, again, you're going to have to get very, very lucky for any of this stuff to actually pay off. But it's that you have a, you want a ticket where you go in and you go, like I thought, I did not think my team had really any chance when I was looking at week seventeen. I was like, "This is a fun little." Neither did little, I. Yeah, neither did I. <laughs> it was a fun little lotto ticket, but because because yeah. I was like, I need like Tom Brady and the like the I need Tom Brady and the Dolphins Patriots game to go off. Like I'm, <laughs> that's not happening. Yep. But like I had a path that I, I very Correct. the nice thing about it. I, I was on Liam Murphy's show and I was like, "Hey, man." I, I know what needs to happen. I, I need this stack to go off and this game to go off. And they both did. And mm-hmm. then I also had Austin Eckler go absolutely nuts. You know, so I, you need more than just those two things. But it wasn't a ton more than that. It wasn't a ton more. So, you know, all of these things, they are kind of micro edges. But it really is just about making sure, hey, if you get lucky enough to have a team in the Week 17 final, at least have – a potential for like, you know, three or four things really go your way. And that's enough. You don't need to like hit the total nuts in week 17. You just, you know, 
you get lucky in a couple different areas instead of like nine. Well, and that's the thing is these are, are still small field DFS tournaments. And like in the grand scheme of things, there's there's like you said, you didn't even need Mike Evans in best ball mania last year because he was so low represented that even the monster score he put up, the couple of teams that did have him didn't have enough around him in order for him to help propel them to the very top. Now, the larger the field, the more that changes, right? Mike Evans was on, you know, like the DraftKings Millie team and all that. And so there's nuance to that. We talked a little bit about that um, last week, but two, two things. One, I, this is me going off on a, on a tangent. So uh, people, you can fast forward the whole getting lucky thing is like a, a pet peeve where people will say, Pat just said, you're going to have to get very lucky uh, blah, 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 to win this. People people will use that like and kind of throw it in your face when you start to discuss some of these kind of more galaxy brain or, right, you, these micro edges. You said it perfectly. These are micro edges. We know that we have to get lucky. And so what we're trying to do is plan around how do we maximize our win probability when we can get lucky, yes. right? You're you, if I, I'm trying to set up. So like, if I do get lucky, I know I'm probably not going to guess what? No one is probably going to, there's only one person that gets to win, win the tournament. Two people get a million dollars. If I were to get lucky, I want first, right? I, I want first place. And that's exactly what happened on your team. You constructed it in such a way that did any, it was the week of, and you were like, Oh God, Bucks, Panthers, and Patriots. Wouldn't have like, yeah. I, I mean, had four was... teams in the semifinals. It might have been my fourth choice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and and, and I don't know. Maybe with enough, maybe with the correlation, I would have it would have been my second or third choice. I don't think it would have been my first choice because it was just I would have gone, yeah, it's correlated, but with what? Gross. Yeah, right. Exactly. Like Tua was hurt. Tom Brady was horrible all year. The Patriots yeah. were one of the worst offenses in the league. And there was actually a bunch, there was a bunch of pretty good defenses on those teams. You would just never, you would just never pick that. But it was constructed in such a way in that when you got lucky, it takes first. And that's the whole goal about all these little micro edges. And that's also the goal about the weeks, about week 17 and any schedule related thing. It is not the edge is drafting the best players. We know that, right? That that is inherently if if I but I don't have a crystal ball. I can't, I didn't know that Mike Evans. I would have drafted a little more Mike Evans. Shocker! I drafted zero. I would have drafted a little more Mike Evans if you'd have told me he was going to score fifty points in week seventeen. But no one, no, we don't know that. So you construct the teams in a way in which, right? Draft like you're right. Draft like you just got lucky. And how would you construct that team if you got lucky around that around a couple of of different things? That's it. And then um, but we've also we you know, we it is important. And I think this is going to be more important than it was last year to have leverage in the finals. Definitely. And I think there's a couple different things you can do to try to get leverage. I just had an article out about um, elite tight end, which I think has the potential to give you leverage. I mean, I think one reason that I was able to get in with this Tom Brady stack was because George Kittle went off for two straight weeks and got me into the finals. Yep. When a tight end does that, he's going to bring along a lot of different builds. Tight end, elite tight end is a structure that works with other structures. So you don't need to like, it's like you don't have to use zero running back or, you know, anchor running back with elite tight end. It works with pretty much everything. Um, it works with three quarterbacks. It works with elite quarterback. Like you can do it with anything. So that that's the type of build where I think it's going to help you maybe get in some lower own stuff but however it happens 
you're going to need leverage. And if you get a, if you, if you have a team that has like a low owned guy in the finals, that's cool. But like, what you'd really want is a bunch of low owned players. Correct. And, and if those bunch, if, if all of those like low owned players are correlated with one another, bingo, then the one thing happens and that's your leverage instead of like, oh, I've got low on this guy, low on this guy, low on this guy. They're all on different teams. None of them play each other. But like the DJ Moore, Chris Godwin, Tom Brady stack, every single one of those guys was leverage on the field. Then they were correlated, so they went off as a group. And that was the that was the, the massive part of it. It's it's not this that I had like a few low owned guys. It's that they were all correlate, correlated with one another because my the Patriots stuff was low owned as well. So yeah, I think that's and and the leverage angle of this is going to be even more important with the uh the first playoff week going from 10 to 16. I, I do think that's gonna change. Maybe it won't dramatically change, but I do think it'll make even more chalky players the best Agreed. plays. Everyone's gonna have the best plays in the week 17 final. That's that's how they got there. It's Mark Andrews from two two years ago. Mark Andrews was like legitimately like 70% or 60% or something like that in the best ball mania two finals. Because like you said, now it wasn't as difficult of an ad- advancement structure, but he was the guy. Like if you did, if you did, if you got to week 17 without him, you, it was a borderline miracle because he just yeah. went absolutely nuclear for, for multiple weeks. Um, and it's funny that you say that because uh, uh, ship chasing co-host Pete Overzet and I uh, drafted a, had a best ball mania two team that made the finals and got eighth that that year and we had a very similar thing to you where I, I still don't know how we got there honestly like I, I look back and I'm like this this team like it didn't have that year for anyone that remembers Cooper Cup came from like the fifth round to be the, the Cooper Cup that we know today Mark Andrews went absolutely nuts I forget there was you know some other guys uh, some running backs again that just kind of smashed and like we didn't have any of them. We took like C this was before CD broke out. We took like CD and Keenan Allen at the two, three turn. They were like just so average. We lost Raheem Mostert on the, like the first snap of the entire season. He was our RB1 shocker. We drafted a zero running back team. He was our first running back we picked, done, you know, week week one. But just like sometimes that's getting lucky. And we did, you know, similarly to you, we planned around a couple of correlations and game stacks and, and all of that. And you just hope that it hits. I was going to just pull up really quickly because I have a just a kind of data representation of what you were talking about with the elite tight end. This is not um, elite tight end, but I also just wrote about a similar idea with the leverage of the playoffs in, in mind. And what played out, this is from two years ago, and it was double stacking like the elite expensive offenses. And so this, this instance is with uh, T. Higgins, Jamar Chase, and Joe Burrow. And so from in 2021, uh, obviously we had the Mark Andrews and all, all that different stuff. But what happened was, and I'll post this link in the in the description as well. I'm not going to read it to you, but I just wanted to pull up the data to show specifically what, what Pat is talking about. Yes, yes. What Pat is talking about with the, like specifically how this leverage plays itself out in these scenarios. So if you draft the Joe Burrow, or Jamar Chase or T. Higgins. Joe Burrow had a 16% advance rate, right? Pretty standard. Jamar Chase was a little bit higher. T. Higgins, they were all close enough to a totally average advance rate. Joe Burrow actually went off in both week 16 and, and week 17. 
but he's still quarterbacks are just quarterbacks. They're never going to be like so, so, so chalky unless in a, a very random instance. But T Higgins, despite the fact that Chase was, you know, a little bit better in the regular season, they were close enough and T went nuts. In week 16, he had like 35, 40 fantasy points in week 16. Jamar Chase didn't do anything. But if you constructed your team by drafting both of them into uh, a stack, the finals rate of Burrow and T, there were eight out of this was there were 160 finals teams in Best Ball Mania 2. Eight of them had Burrow to T, no Chase. Where's the finals? Burrow and Chase, there were two. Out of out of 160. And so you say, okay, well, yeah, because Chase sucked. It's really, really hard to get him there. This is a little bit of the Mike, mm-hmm. the Mike Evans. This is, but how do you get Mike Evans to the finals in a situation like this? You take all three of them. Right. Burrow plus Chase plus T. There was one of them. Now they didn't win the the, the final, but I do believe they finished really highly. How do you get Burrow was the QB one and Chase was the wide receiver one? You stack them, you correlate them. Right. And I just want to find really quickly. There was a. Oh, yeah. Uh, The advance rate of all three was a little below average, but not much. Right. Twelve percent. One hundred and twenty four of the one thousand fifty four teams that drafted Burrow, Chase and T got through. So compared to 16 percent, not awesome, but not really that big of a difference. So you didn't sacrifice advance rate on the whole. It's close enough. And it's a really low owned, only 0.7% of the field drafted Burrow, Chase, and T, right? And so the amount of times, like the amount of people that drafted it on a from a rate perspective also got mm. to the finals. So let's just round up. 1% of people drafted that triple stack or that double stack, and 1% of them got to the finals. So it's like, and you advanced close enough to the, but it's like, seems like such a simple thing, but this is like a, well, how do I find leverage? Like this is another one of those ways you elite tight. Like now imagine you do this and you draft the elite tight end and it's like the elite tight end can the elite tight end and T Higgins can pull you through. Or, you know, you could get a look like uh, Pete and I had Kyle Pitts that year as our <laughs> air quotes, elite tight end that, that made the final, we got drugged through by Hunter Henry actually got mm-hmm. us there. And that got us Kyle Pitts leverage on Mark Andrews. There's all these different things that we can do. Um, and none of them are like, there's no individual right answer, but I just thought that some of the data was interesting and then your tight end thing was, was super fascinating. These are the things that we should think about. None of them in a vacuum are like, this is the answer. We saw best right. ball. But just as you build your whole portfolio and do your drafts, there's these, just these little things that we can do that do like what we were talking about. When I get lucky, how do I, how do I get the, the low own stack? That wins it as opposed to just, oh, congratulations. You had Josh Jacobs and Justin Jefferson and right, and, right all in the final and you're praying for Sony Michelle to score three touchdowns. You know, like that's right. not that's what I your want. level. Yeah. Kind of one guy. Like, well, if this one guy goes off, that'll help me separate. Yeah. So one thing, you know, one lever I think that's that's important to think about in terms of getting teams to the finals is your late round picks. I think your late round picks are really important both in terms of help get helping you get to the finals, helping you win in the finals. Um, you know, KJ Hamler was on Justin Herzig's team. Yeah. I think he, he had a spike week, not in week 16 at the time, the championship week, but I think week 15, um, two touchdowns. Yep. And, and so that, and, you know, imagine if, you know, he took like a quarterback there to help him advance, <laughs> you know, it's like, I think you're, you, you actually do really want to be thinking about, 
okay, I'm going to be drafting guys in these late rounds to help me get to the finals or win in the finals. Amon Ross St. Brown was huge for Liam's team two years ago. Jeff Wilson gave him a spike week on that team to help get him to the finals. Amon Ra was kind of just like the guy you needed. Um, crushed the whole playoffs, yeah. Crushed the whole playoffs. But then he had him correlated with Rashad Penny in that final, which, you know, those were the two guys that you needed. So uh, thinking through those late round picks as potential engines that get you through is one thing. And that leads me to, and I'm kind of working on something about this, where I'm like, it makes me a little less inclined to want to take that third quarterback, especially if I feel like yes. I don't need to. If I need to take the third quarterback to advance, fine. You know, I, I we have to advance. That's that is the biggest thing. You know, that's the first thing. It's not the biggest thing. That's the first thing. If you don't check that box, you're not going anywhere. But if I feel like I'm already good enough at quarterback, and it's more of kind of a luxury advancement rate thing versus taking a swing for the fences, I'm I'm going to want to take that swing for the fences. But the point I want to I want to emphasize is there's no reason not to stack up, you know, uh the Texans or the Steelers or, you know, uh any any of these teams, the the you can do Patriot stuff. Any of these teams, another one a, a Commanders would might be the best example. Now um, we're talking now we're right? you stack up, yes. You stack up the commanders, which is easy to do. And I think pretty much all of their guys are very, at very palatable prices. I mean, you could go Terry, Dotson, and pick a running back. And I think both running backs are good picks. Mm-hmm. And then skip the quarterback. Yeah. Just skip it. You don't have to take you don't have to be right about Howell Howell. Brissett, You should draft whatever. Sam Howell, but I know, but I'm I'm just, just I'm just totally trolling. You're absolutely right. And and you know what the you know what a nice situation to do this in is like if you're going to be going for if you're taking a Jalen Hurts team you know I mean well we're about to get the schedule maybe they even maybe they didn't play in week 17 oh, but boy you know if you that's not that wasn't really my let's say take a Josh Allen team take a Patrick Mahomes team I mean you're not really in a position where you need that quarterback in week 17 or probably even in week 16 right like you get your quarterback to maybe a little earlier you get someone who's just you feel like yeah you're gonna play and I didn't have to pay a ton to get you perfect you pair with my elite you pair with my you know early quarterback whatever you don't have to stop there you can keep building an additional correlation mm-hmm. you don't need the quarterback if a quarterback is having a pretty solid game he can still power really strong games from other players on the offense which are more important you have to fill three wide receivers in a flex, two running backs. Happens in a flex. all the time. Happens all yeah. the time. That's those are the those are the absolutely massive pieces on your team. Who cares if you don't have the quarterback? Puts oh, put up twenty five points. You didn't have it. Well, your quarterback put up twenty three points. Who cares? <laughs> yep. You know. Yep. Get get the skill. Get the guys who caught the touchdowns in that performance, and they're hitting your lineup in absolutely crucial spots for your lineup. So continuing to build out correlation i've actually done stuff like i had a jalen hurts team where i just like took all the chargers and i was like good luck herbert i i have hurts dude so mm-hmm. enjoy it enjoy uh you know you're i mean obviously if i make the finals that particular team that had justin herbert but like let's say you you roll up with <laughs> let's say you roll up in week 17 and you have justin herbert and you have him stacked with keenan allen and uh quentin johnston but then there's a Hertz team that is stacked with uh, AJ Brown, who also has K- 
Keenan right. Allen, Quentin Johnston, and Gerald you're Everett. A, you're a huge dog. You're a huge <laughs> right. dog with the Herbert team. Right. So I think like, yeah, thinking about it from like the reverse, like which team would you rather be? The guy who's got the the beautiful single stack with Hertz plus this other stack built in. I mean, I think that's kind of a no brainer. I, I totally agree. I did just want to double back while I was thinking about it. And cause we're think we talked a little bit about some of these correlations and, and, and such. And um, I, I did like, as we're thinking about week 17 and those specific matchups, um, I agree exactly with what you said earlier about, I, I don't think we should plan for chiefs Bengals to fail. But that doesn't mean we should plan for Chiefs Bengals to automatically be the game you need, right? And in A, there can be chaos of the season, like the Ravens example. But B, we could get to just to, I mean, have, have the Chiefs been the, the the game? You know, the Chiefs are are frequently one a really fun one to 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 um, you know stack up. But like if you played DFS last year, the Chiefs were awesome as an offense all season, and I think a Chiefs game stack won like one tournament, you know, won once the entire season, despite the fact that Mahomes was awesome, Kelsey was awesome, right? Pacheco was awesome, McKinnon was awesome. They were like still not taking down DFS tournaments very frequently. I know there's price involved, but there's price well, involved. No, but in the, the price best, is best ball. The price is the point. If all these players were just in a bag and you got to pick them out and put them in your lineup, like we'd all pick the Chiefs, you yeah, know, right. like they're not. They, they, you have to pick them based on what everyone else wants them. It's a market-based game. So even though, you know, in, on DraftKings, they set the prices, you know, it's not a market dictating that. But it kind of, you know, it's like kind of in is. line with what yeah. feels right, you know. So um, it's, and it's you know, driven by performance and all that. So it, it's not that dissimilar where, like, we are – you could think about, like, what you're spending on this stack. Like, it, that, that Chiefs-Bengals stack that you put together – is taking up a massive part of your salary in, in draft oh, yeah. terms. I'd like a, I mean, it only it only is restricted because you can't get Chase and Kelsey together. But like, if you theoretically could, I mean, you could spend if we're talking about like a two hundred dollar auction budget, you could spend like a hundred fifty bucks of your two hundred auction budget on Chiefs Bengals if there was a way to get like. The first four, right? Because I mean, they all go in the first two rounds. All the all the good guys from both teams go in the first like two rounds. I guess Burrow is a three four turn, but like okay, the first four rounds, the top five players right. in that game all all go there. So there's not um, a player. There's not a player under like seven k in that whole stack. No. That whole yeah. first part of the stack. Yeah, and the secondary guys are like, <laughs> you know, the the most expensive wide receiver from. Um, yeah, Tony's six and a half K now. What's going yeah, on? Yeah, exactly. Tony's <laughs> not even Tony's not even cheap. Uh so but what what I was hopefully the about, hopefully the listeners actually play on DraftKings. We've gone very specific yes, on the DraftKings salary. Yes, yes. I do that all the time with DFS because that's just like that's where I come from. That's where my brain works. And I, I realize that I'm probably uh alienating some people. But what I was gonna say around that is it's not just it's not just like, oh, I'm expecting the Chiefs Bengals to fail, or it's not also even just oh, they're expensive. It's a combination of all that plus our inability to predict this far out. It's our inability to predict even once we get, get to that week. Nonetheless, to be able to predict this far out or even in August or September, which games are going to be the highest scoring. There is just that inherent variance. If you played the last two years, we've talked a bunch about Pat's team. Pat literally said, and, and I said I agreed, even if we got to that week and you said I want to 
like pick my right my favorite team, it would not have been Bucks, Panthers, Dolphins, no. Patriots. No. It certainly when we're drafting, right, would not have been that game. No, like all summer, no, not there wasn't a soul that was like, oh baby, can't wait to draft Bucks, Panthers, and Patriots, Dolphins. Like nobody was saying that. But there is that inherent variance. Two years ago, the same shit happened. Yes, Jamar Chase. Yes, Jamar Chase went uh, cra- crazy. The, the, so I live right next to an Air Force base, and there's a, uh, an air show this weekend. So it has been never-ending uh, flyovers. And the dogs, like, lose their shit. He was really single. talking there. That was that – yeah. uh, is he like a hound? That was some real – He's a husky shepherd, so yeah, that's the hut. That's the husky howling at the moon. That's the husky coming out, coming out in him. Uh, So that's what we've been dealing with for the last forty-eight hours. Lots of good sleep. It was twelve thirty last night. Still planes flying over the house. It was absolutely, absolutely awful. But what what I was just going to say is. It's not the games that we always expect. And two years ago, the same shit happened. This was before everybody kind of knew the Lions were like the course field of uh, of, of fantasy. Mm-hmm. Lions, Seahawks, like the Seahawks were boring as hell. Still had rust. There was kind of old. I know they were, they were pretty good offense, but nobody was excited about Seahawks, Lions. Nobody. And look, like 80 points in that game or whatever. And and the guys you needed air quotes were were in that game. And so we just can't predict it. And so that's what bleeds into our all these ways that we implement correlation. And like you said, with Levitan, with Levitan's tweet, it was absolutely true. It is both important to do and implement in drafts and simultaneously almost never or probably never the number one thing you're looking at when you get on on the clock. A lot of the times, let's say Levitin listed five things in, in his tweet, which is a very good tweet. Let's say it's number six. The the week 17 correlation is the sixth thing that you run down your list that you're making a decision on. As Especially as the draft goes on, you're going to reach areas like you did with Tom Brady, like you did with Ramondre or Tyquan Thornton. Like Late rounds are a really good example. We're like, what is the difference on all those first five things for your 17th round pick. So you're going to get to that correlation, you know, lever pretty easily on some of these picks. Now in the third round, right. You probably have a stark teardrop. And this year I certainly do. There's a, like call it the early to mid third round. I'm like, mm-hmm. please God, please God, let me pick in like first four picks of the third round. Cause I don't well, want to like the middle. I, I love Mark Andrews. So, that's, but that's so after, the but then like me. he's gone and it's Debo yeah. and Amari Cooper and you know Calvin Ridley like and too. God damn it Pat quit ruining my it's the end uh, of the third round example okay end of the third round <laughs> end of the third round to pick your fucking tear break okay I that's don't where it is. whatever you're <laughs> middle spot. but you obviously obviously, <laughs> obviously um, the point is just you get to these tear breaks and and it's a very different way you implement the correlation depending upon kind of your draft selection it is i hate calling it a tiebreaker because that i think undersells it um how about but this it, but it, how about yeah, how about would we you pair it, it with, we pair it with another lever so like if you're one way to do it's like i'm pairing it with adp a lot of times like for me it's a way to be like like the i drafted taekwon thornton once last year it was on this team that won, right? So, you know why I drafted Tyquan Thornton? Because, I mean, that's like where he was going. It was like a pretty solid value to get him in the 18th round, second round pick. 
but I already had a bunch of Patriots and Dolphins. So it made a ton of sense to let the room tell me, hey, Taquan Thornton's pretty good value. You never take him, but maybe you should take him here. So I actually, you could say, yeah, that's a week correlation, a week 17 correlation play, but it was an ADP play too. So if you can find a way to like kind of marry them together, obviously you're going to feel the best if you're doing week 17 correlation and it's tied to your player evaluation. And you're like, I love this guy and it's correlated. But, you know, you can also do some of the stuff is a little less fun, like, you know, the kind of the structural stuff, you know, like maybe you're getting pushed off a structure that you feel um, like really comfortable with, but onto one that also works. So it's like, oh, I'm actually getting more, you know, I'm diversifying my portfolio of structures by going with the week 17 correlation here. And I'm that is something if you were to like zoom out and be like, do you want to have a diversified portfolio of structures? You'd be like, yes, I do. I don't want to be all in on just this one structure. Well, week 17 correlation came along and helps push you on to whatever it is you don't like doing a ton of. Maybe, you know, you're yep. not a ton of going zero running back and something fell in your lap, a wide receiver correlation early on. You're like, let's do it. Let, let me let me experiment with this, whatever it is. Right. So I think like having it pair up with something else is maybe a different way to think about it rather than just a tiebreaker. Yep. I think that that makes total sense. I think that I would probably even remove it from that totem pole or decision tree. And like you said, it's on the side with arrows pointing with arrows pointing to your, like you said, your ranking slash player take slash projection, whatever the hell you want to call that, right? If you're projection based or rankings based, whatever it points to your rankings, because of course your rankings are important. You don't want to, like you said, take Kadarius Tony in the fifth round when he, when you have him ranked in the seventh round, just because of correlation, but you you know you you don't want to forego correlation as you've talked about, and and it's you you it has to play into these into these other mount. That's what makes it difficult. It's so simple. We understand correlation. We understand upside stacking, whatever. But it's also the implementation of it is is very difficult. I do want to talk a little bit about overall strength of schedule overall playoff schedule and if you have any thoughts on that but was there anything that you kind of think we missed around like the week 17 conversation obviously we spent most of the episode talking about that but i do think it's the most important part of the whole schedule well i'll just to just to kind of wrap up the the point we're making on the kind of the the order of importance when you're drafting like some of those things like uh the list that levitan tweeted out um run counter to one another. So like ADP versus your own player rankings, like, well, those could be quite different. And so like, when are you, yeah. Which are you supposed to decide with? Cause there is this thing right. of like, if you go with the ADP and you get ADP value in a room, Mike Leone showed in his best ball manifesto that that's very helpful to your chances of advancing. And uh, it just raises the EV of your teams to do that. But also like we do want to hit on the right players. Like if you feel very strongly, that this guy's like a great value and this guy's a terrible value. So that's, it can be sort of a tiebreaker, you know, within balancing important things to do. So it's like, I like this, this guy is the ADP value and he's correlated or this guy, you know, this guy's an ADP value, but I have a correlated guy who I absolutely love. I'm just taking that guy. Yeah. I think that's, that's one way to think through it. Absolutely. Because like you said, you he, a guy can get to a spot where he's beyond ADP, but still maybe doesn't reach where you have him ranked. Right, right. You, the player's going fiftieth overall. You have him ranked seventy fifth, and he's it's you get to pick sixty two. Like pretty getting this guy around after ADP, 
and maybe you have his quarterback and another guy from 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 the his week 17 game. That's where it's kind of um uh you know being humble about your whole process is that not there's not any one your player take is not the end all be all ADP is not the end all be all and week 17 correlation is not the end all be all but you're constantly weighing all those different things and you say well, okay well in this instance I'm getting the value on this guy and he's correlated so I can forego my personal ranking on on right, that player right. right and but then the flip side can also be the, the truth, like you said, like I'm maybe not getting ADP value on Kadarius Tony. Again, we don't want to reach like two rounds, whatever, but he's six picks ahead ADP. I'm just throwing out numbers. And you have Mahomes and T. Higgins. Like, and you, and you and really I like have, Tony. And I have very little Kadarius Tony. I, you yeah. know, that was another thing. That's Go another thing. It. Wasn't on Levitan's list, but I think is important. And I think he would say it is important as well. You want to not be like totally overweight and underweight beyond what you would want to be you know what i mean like if you're like hey i'd love to have five percent Kadarius tony i, I want to be underweight but not you know even with the field would be 8.3 percent five would be fine with me but i don't want to be one i mean the guy's very athletic i don't want to be one you know so and he's on the chiefs they traded for him they don't right. have any competition like we can you can not love him but again be humble enough to say i'm willing to accept the fact that he's got he could bury me I, he could absolutely yeah. bury you yeah so i don't want to full fade this guy yeah, so then, yeah, I, I would I would also take him in that six picks at ADP, and you got it correlated, and like maybe you need a little bit bit more exposure. You check your spike week tools, and we're like, oh god, I don't have any Tony. <laughs> Get him. This, this will happen this summer, by the way. Pat and I did a few episodes last summer where we kind of like went through our tools and our exposures, and like only we're only one human. You can't literally spend every waking hour like investigating your best ball, ball portfolio, and you find this all the time. Yeah, you're you like, you you're like. Do. Chiefs Bengals, you're like, oh, I feel like I've actually been getting a bunch of Chiefs Bengals. You pull it up, you look at your exposure, and you're like, okay, not really, and I don't have any Kadarius. <laughs> I have zero Tony teams with a Bengal, and it's like, uh-huh. how the hell did that? How the hell did that happen? Yeah, you know, you're like, you I have don't... three naked Tony teams. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I do. I, or or like, or you pull it up, and it's like my Tony correlation is with Travion Williams. I don't think that that's going to work. You know, I will find that. I know I yeah, will. I, I will too. I was just arguing for Travion Williams the other day. That's how disgusting <laughs> my brain is. But but like that's there's so much that goes into it and so uh, I'm glad we talked about it for a long time because like it's not, it's just not I think people want like most things to be like this binary answer, super easy and straightforward. And I think that the week 17 thing while very simple is about it's about as clear as mud in terms of being able to explain it. Like, how does it work when you implement it? Because I mean, we just spent forty five minutes being like, well, it's like an if the if then statement. It's like you're constantly having to adjust, you know, when when certain things matter more and balancing different things. And so that's just that's yeah. And you can football. mix it up. You're like, you know, and this some of this stuff is kind of coin flippy type of stuff where you're like, should I take this guy? It's like. You know, I've been reaching a little bit to complete stacks. I'm going to push it. I'm going to push it, you know? Yeah. Or or I'm constantly in sniped, and I would just like to have a stack team, you know, for once in my life. Like, all right, <laughs> get your stack then, dude. Right. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> I think it's all right to just kind of let let your emotions in that particular moment kind of kind of guide you. Because, I mean, this is kind of a fun enterprise, hopefully. And uh, you don't want to get, like, just, you know, frozen like oh, yeah. oh there's too many too many variables what do i do so yeah this is way yeah. too time consuming and we're putting money in in may and we're not going to get it out till 2024 you know like if you're not if you're not getting something out of this uh, right. 
and whether that's fun or whether you know you're a spreadsheet robot at least like like if you're kind of even if you're like kind of robotic you should be like at least like checking achieving goals right like like as opposed to just like clicking buttons for i mean how many times are you going to draft by you know september like we we can get something we can get something out of this plus enjoy as long as long as you're not doing anything like totally egregious like we're going to talk a lot about best ball over the course of the summer there's no right or wrong and so as long as you're not doing something totally crazy like what was it? Uh, uh, a friend of the show, Neil Farley, posted. I, was this real or not real that uh, Davis accidentally it wasn't took Alberto Davis. first over? I think he oh, found a else. team that took Alberto one hundred and one <laughs> and then said it was Davis. And apparently, <laughs> Davis was then convinced that maybe it was him, and he'd forgotten. <laughs> Which I mean, at that point, I now I think it really might have been Davis. Yes, I, that is also an incredible bit that you know he doesn't actual like it's conceivable that he did actually draft out <laughs> yeah. even to him it's conceivable well, that Pete he Overzet, of course had the best reply to the whole thing Shocker. which is the wi-fi at this resort is a disaster <laughs> <laughs> i was like oh my god it really came true so good so good um so as we as we kind of wrap out i just wanted to uh bring up like the the overall schedule um but what could be just overall playoffs let's start there is there anything you're even like thinking about? You know, it's really hot. We just <laughs> talked for almost an hour about how the hell you can even implement week 17 correlations while you're drafting. And it's pretty complex. Is there anything you're even like thinking about or considering you talked about, well, especially with week 15 and best ball mania being more difficult to advance through. Um, is there just anything you're considering in terms of week 15 and 16, or are you, uh, looking at kind of, you know, a week 15 through 17, right? Like, oh man, they got uh, two awesome matchups in week 15 and 16. Maybe it's not as good in 17 or just, you know, anything with the overall playoff schedule. Yeah, I think the week 15 and 16, I mean, there's 16 team um, fields. And so I think in some ways, like they're so small that maybe the correlation is like slightly less important where you probably just want like, the guys and um at the same time i mean like if if the if the there was no week 17 i would stack up week 16 but i think that the issue is like at what point are you sacrificing week 17 correlation to build in some week 16 correlation and i don't love that there are going to be some situations where you know and if you're super in the spreadsheet weeds maybe you can figure out spots where it's like hey if we stack up these two teams, yep. then you also get a bonus week 16 correlation piece out of it. You know, so that and like, hey, man, that's a micro micro edge, but I, I don't mind it. <laughs> I, is, don't, I really don't. That so, is some padded cell level illness. It uh, is. But, but, it but, is. I, but I, I have definitely don't, thought don't about show it. Any, so. <laughs> don't show your loved ones. Don't show your loved ones the spreadsheet where you found this. Don't do it. But, oh god yeah your mate you're stacking matrix that so you can build out as many game stacks nope. over the course of the entire season just no like one a can total see it. nerd yeah no one's allowed to see it it's a locked spreadsheet but is it giving you a slight edge i think it is <laughs> i do i agree um i personally am not going to do i, I do think again if, if you're like really being optimal as you said and you want to you want to grind and figure out i i, I do think we might uh, like release something when i can get some time on spike week just because there will it, w- it won't be that difficult to see some overlapping playoff 
right? Um, this team plays each other in week 15 and then here's who they play in week 17. You know, th- that won't be that difficult to do. So I do think we'll probably do something like that at, at spike week. Any, anyone can do that. But in terms of like optimizing for, you know, okay, this team has, I'm going to rank this playoff schedule as number one and their week 15 game, right. And starting to match up like, okay, this team plays the lions in week 15 and I like their matchup and doing like really getting down into the weeds of trying to optimize for like a strength of schedule across the playoffs Mm -hmm. and pair those teams together. Technically, like, I think that that could be an edge. I think it is going to get in the way, most likely, unless you're, like, literally a genius-level coder or something like that that can build a model that can tell you exactly what to do. I think that is one of those things in this particular, you know, game of gambling, uh, game of sports speculation, that just might be cutting off your nose to spite your face a little bit. And I always, 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 and have this has been my career, and the only reason that I'm here today is – not tried to overdo it simple rather than difficult and directionally accurate rather than perfectly accurate. And right. so I think, I think best ball is probably the best game for that DFS. I'm never going to beat like brick. I'm never going to beat Brian. I'm never going to beat, uh, you know, awesome. I'm never going to beat those guys because they are much more perfectly accurate than I am. Whereas I'm just striving for directional accuracy and to beat people more frequently. That's my per- personal mindset in best ball. I'm not sure there is a perfectly accurate, And so if we can just be directionally accurate about a million more things than everybody else is, right? All those little micro micro edges Pat keeps talking about. I would just like to do that rather than get too, 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 you know, minute about the schedule. Yeah. Like I think, you know, a much bigger edge is like, Hey, the commanders turned out to be good and you have three commanders. That's that to me is a better edge. Like you now, if the commanders end up having a, really juicy playoff schedule that will make me maybe boost them up my list of teams that I'd like to tack on or like to kind of try to build in some correlation with again maybe even without the quarterback you know I think there's a number of teams like where I could sort of talk myself into them being surprises and so if I've got a team that I'm mildly interested in being a surprise and they have a really nice playoff schedule then that'll make me more interested in that, you know, or if there's a team where, I, I mean, I could also see, you know, you could, they're like, I know this team is going to run, you know, it's the Falcons and the Falcons <laughs> are going up against like, I mean, I guess that's a terrible example. Cause like, or are you really going to draft Bijan like what? One Oh five, but um, maybe the bears. Yeah. Let's say the bears, the bears end up having a, a schedule of really like soft projected run defenses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe I'll maybe I'll boost Khalil Herbert up a bit or whatever. Yeah. You know, maybe maybe a bit. Or maybe it's just like, hey, I definitely want to have exposure to the Bears backfield. I don't know. It's it's so ambiguous. I've been kind of avoiding it a little bit too much. I probably should be taking more Deontay Foreman and Roshan Johnson. I don't take a ton. But they have a really juicy schedule. That's going to make me wade into those waters a little bit more than I have been. I think like stuff like that but I, you know, it's, it is kind of, it's a, if it's a micro edge, then it should have like less impact on what you do. I totally, I, think I totally agree. It, it's enough to have a little impact, I think. I, and so how I view um, kind of projecting matchup quality, I guess is, is what I would call it, right? The strength of, of the matchup this far out is that of course we're going to be wrong very frequently, but like when you take a step back, 
we're playing a game where we're trying to predict individual players this far out. Like that's all this game is, right? I'm trying to say on May 11th, who are going to be the best fantasy, but like they may, you know, knock on wood. We're not hoping for this. They, they may not even play this season. <laughs> you know what I mean? Will Fult, we thought Will Fuller was coming back, uh, you know, for, for a year and a half. And the, uh, the guy's family hasn't even heard from him. Like, who knows? Is he alive? I, do, I don't know, but we're trying to play this prediction game as it is with players. I do think teams can be a little bit easier to predict on the very far ends. Now, injuries, of course, play out um, anywhere in the middle. And, of course, at the, at the high end, you know, the Eagles could actually not be an awesome defense if, like, six guys get hurt. Sure. Right, I, right. I agree. I'm willing to accept that. But I'm pretty confident that the Eagles' defense is at no point going to be, like, a projections boost to the person playing mm-hmm. against them. They may they may end up with some injuries neutral or, or, or fine, but, like, when I'm fine, I believe that somebody mentioned that uh, the Giants play them in in Week 16, which is a, a, a Boston Scott game. Apparently, Boston Scott torches the Giants right. all the time. Yeah. I, uh, so, uh, but so if you want to get Saquon Barkley through, you have to draft Boston Scott on your Saquon uh, Barkley teams. <laughs> is the is, is the new is the new take? But point being, if like let's say they played in Week 17, I would I, I would say. This is not a great spot for Saquon Barkley. Doesn't mean I'm avoiding him because that's not the end all be all, but I would I would think it's not a great spot. Last year, a take that I had was the Arizona Cardinals were going to suck, particularly on defense. And I actually feel f- feel fairly vindicated in that take, but when you just like looked at the depth chart and everything, like it was putrid like jj watt was like the best player they had left and the dude just retired like he was he was fringing on on retirement yeah. i was pretty cut him and buddha baker i was pretty confident in in that take now it didn't work because kyle pitts got hurt and um the falcons were a mess but where it did work was tyler algier right and it also worked on the Cardinals side saying well if their defense is going to suck okay it got me to yeah. Trey McBride it got it got me to well I was not drafting Zach Ertz of course the but meme the Algier, of the summer yes, yes the meme of the summer Zach Ertz Tyler Algier and it was right I mean that that mini correlation was directionally accurate I mean let's not forget the 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 thing pointed to is this has gone too far <laughs> almost won a ton of money <laughs> Not only did it not go too far, it hit a goddamn bullseye. Basically, it hit, yeah. a, it hit, it hit a it hit a uh, it hit a twenty, not a triple twenty, right? You know, if you right. you play darts, it didn't hit a triple twenty, but it hit a goddamn twenty. I'll tell you, that was a twenty. <laughs> it was. That is what it was. It was a twenty. It wasn't even a double twenty. Yeah. Yes. It was a twenty. It, it was a, I mean, it was a twenty. Yeah, and that that was the thing. And so I guess maybe like as a pushback, because I think you will see some pushback from Twitter and stuff of. This has gone too far. This yes, this worked. This is kind of always what you get with an idea that yeah is working. Is like yes, it has worked so far, and it is working, and it worked in last year. But like, this is it though. We've done it not enough. Don't do it anymore. Don't do it any more than this. From people who probably weren't using it in the first place, right? That's kind of like what you tend to see. And of course, to any edge, like you could take it too far. And I think we've we've spent a lot of time on ways that that you could take it too far. You know, I think and trying to make sure you don't. Yeah, we yeah. are trying to make yeah. sure that you don't. I'm trying to make sure that I don't, that I don't. That's why we're talking about this too. Yeah. Levitan's framing of it, I think, is a really good framing. But your, um, you know, like the thing held up last year is like, this is not this. This can't work. It worked amazing. So, I mean, again, not perfect because it was the wrong tight end. But 
but yeah, I mean, I do think that um, we want to be we want to be building this stuff in. And one thing that I would say, you know, to the 15, 16 correlation, which again, I'm probably not going to be doing a ton of, but it is nicer than last year because of the way the advance rate works where they're both one out of 16 last year. We had to go, well, week 15, are we building that in? Cause one out of 10. Now they're the same. You know, if you can get a bonus week 15, it's the same as a bonus week 16 now. Right. So, you know, you're, you know, your odds of making it out of either round are the exact same. So you might as well uh, tack on either if either is available to you. And I think that gives you that little extra flexibility. So at least you don't have to like, as one less thing to have to think through, like, well, this is a 15. Is that worth anything? Like at least now right, the answer is right. yes, it's worth what a 16 is. Right, exactly. Um, and to your point on the uh, you're, you're going to get pushback to two, two things. It is always very funny because it, it will be the people – who um, are attached to last year's results from like a player and a team perspective, not fantasy player, like an NFL, the, you know, the, the bears, what do you mean? The bears ran all the time. You know, this is on top of my mind. Cause I was looking at DJ Moore this morning. Um, Cause I know a lot of people were not so high on DJ Moore, which is, which is totally fine. I also think the bears are probably going to run a lot, but that doesn't mean that it's a certain, it's a certain. only got to me. I learned and, him in my ranks. The math, and the you, math nerd came over and said, yeah, which is, let's, let's review this Pat. Let's review this. Where are the targets coming from? I was like, oh, yeah, yeah you're probably right. I, I totally understand. And and from a medium perspective, I, I, I totally agree. Um, I have zero pushback on like negative sentiment towards towards DJ Moore. But the, the the point is those people that you're outlining will probably be the guys the guys like, you can't draft DJ Moore. Didn't you see how much the Bears ran last year? And I'm like, well, part of why I might draft DJ Moore is because if they don't, right, right, if last year doesn't play out exactly like it's this year doesn't play out exactly how last year played out right there's reasons to believe that that could change blah 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 so those people will be very attached to last year's results but then they'll say because they didn't believe in it in the first place it just happened last you know i know pat won with that last year but that you know it's, it's luck you know it was a it was a sun run he got lucky right this year, yeah, I'm not worried about it. It's not. It's not. Gonna, yeah, of course. <laughs> welcome, welcome to winning tournaments with a you know a million team, a million teams in them. Um, but the other thing that you said that I thought was so so true, and this is how I feel like passionately, especially about this show and some of the shows that we do that sometimes get really in in the weeds and into some nerdy best ball stuff, is that in life, anything that eventually becomes the the big new idea was frown was 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 not assumed to be true originally and generally frowned upon and and you know people threw stones at it right week 17 all this week 17 type stuff just last year smart people were like you guys have taken this way too far this is nonsense you can't predict that just draft the best players right just smart people god forbid 2 years ago when we first started doing this last year people now slowly people are like okay I get it. I get it. You know, we got to be smart about it, but I'm, I'm starting to see it. And in five years, what are, where are we going to be at with like some of this correlation and stuff? And so it's going to take I honestly time. Think in five years, it's going to be like tough to get correlation because you're going to be like competing with, you know, let's say you have, um, you know, I need to think of an example where the ADP is lined up, but like you've got, uh, you're going to be competing with guys who have the other wide receiver that you're. Uh, so let's yeah. say you're, let's say you have um, Joe Burrow 
okay, and you've got him stacked up with the, with T. Higgins, then I think in five years, like you'll be able to pull that off, but you're competing with the Jamar Chase drafter right. to get Tyler Boyd and Irv Smith. Like I actually think, or you're competing with the Jamar Chase drafter and whoever, you know, in this case, the Chiefs drafter. So there's like two other people in that room who are intelligently trying to build something that you're competing against. So I think in five years, it's just going to be hard to get really highly correlated teams. So, and you know, maybe you could definitely overdo this, not just in terms of reaching and stuff, but I, you know, there, there probably is a point at which you don't want to have like show up to the final and you, you have a bet on like two and a half teams, you know what I mean? Like that, Mm -hmm. that could be bad, but I don't know. In some ways, like I kind of like going into the puppy and being like, you know, I'm going to really correlate this thing. Let's, let's uh let's experiment a little bit with this five dollar entry and and see like how far feels like too far um and you know you can kind of mess around that way but yeah i do i think in like three to five years the just like the amount of really correlated teams will probably be reduced because everyone's Mm -hmm. trying to add a little here and there that it's it's funny that you said uh with the puppy that's actually what i did and what i might do in the DraftKings millie this year now they did make the payout structure really really nice so there's a little less incentive um to doing it in terms of like top heaviness like dude mm-hmm. you, you finish in the top 100 you get 10 grand so like there's a little less incentive to like go crazy crazy at first place but still it's a million dollars so i probably will but um that's what i did i was like I'm over correlating the shit out of this because there's a thousand teams in the final. I did get a team through. Of course, it was led by Jalen Hurts and Trevor Lawrence, who <laughs> basically both didn't play in week 17, mm-hmm. right? So that it didn't it didn't hit, but I was like, get me a team or two to the final, just have all these correlations and pray to God the correlations come come through for me, especially because of how big that that final was. Um and so that was that was definitely my strategy. What I was going to say about in the the five years thing, it felt like for anyone that's played playoff best ball, it felt like the perfectly efficient version of that, which would be in a, in a perfectly efficient playoff best ball room, everybody is drafting kind of in their own lane, except for the teams that right, I took Jamar Chase and the next guy took T Higgins. They're duking it out for Joe Burrow or vice versa. Right. You took Joe right. Burrow, right? They're they're there's only a handful of different teams that are duking it out for similar players, right? Or because secondary stacks are a thing, right? So just because you have Mahomes doesn't mean you don't want Chiefs, or, or just because you don't have Mahomes doesn't mean you don't want Chiefs because you're trying to plan for these, you know, scenarios right. in playoff best ball. But that's kind of what you're outlining is everyone will stay in their lane when they're supposed to stay in their lane, but there's always going to be teams trying to cross, right? This team's trying to exit, this team's trying to get over here, or we're both trying to hit the same exit uh-huh. and we're both in the fast lane, right? We're both in the right. fast lane. But we're both trying to exit and we can't both get there at the same time. And so um, I think that's that's and that's a really interesting way to think about it, you know, and I think that that's what, probably how I would how it like the perfectly efficient form of, of playoff baseball. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, there is obviously going to be room in five years for like, well, this guy's just way better than that guy. So, you know, who cares if he's correlated uh, that? Well, we'll continue yeah. having that part of the discussion for a long time, but. But yeah, I think like if you want to build some like really correlated teams, I, I would say like do it. You know, like don't don't make it your whole portfolio. You know, keep it like uh, as as an experimental element of what you're doing. But and maybe and maybe weight that towards the lower stakes stuff that you're doing, yeah. so that you know 
you're kind of like truly experimenting. But like if you had a, a few best ball mania entries that were like really tightly correlated, I think it's I think it's fine. And and also might be the type of thing where two or three years from now it's like super hard to do that. So yeah, do do it while you can. All right, one one take. Well, we'll get into the uh, the player weeds and get our hand in the dirt for one second. Everybody's going to be excited for Chiefs Bengals. If you had to pick one player in that game that you were actually going to kind of take a stand on or, you know, and this could be, I don't care if you say Jamar Chase, but it could be ADP value, one of the quarterbacks, whatever, who would be like a, if, if someone said, I do want to go a little bit heavier on that game, how can I do it in a smart way? Uh, which player from either the Chiefs or the Bengals would you would you tell somebody to kind of get overweight on? Well, so I had um, I had a, what I thought last night at chip chasing. I was like, kind of like, oh, this is a really smart point. And then I went and I listened to uh, a podcast that's been out for like two weeks with Mike Leone and Justin Herzig uh, talking about stuff. And like Leone made the same point like two weeks ago. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> so I hate his, when that happened. Yeah. His point uh, was that if you take Joe Mixon, then you can draft your team like he's a third-round running back because he's either going to be there and going to be Joe Mixon. I mean, maybe he gets suspended, but you know, you're kind. If he gets suspended, he might get cut. So, like, sort of all yeah. comes crumbling down. Like, if he gets suspended, where he's going, you're probably not surviving that. Right. So. You're you've already made the the minute you take him, you've made the bet. He's not getting suspended and he's not getting cut. Well, now you've gotten like three to four rounds of ADP value, depending on when you grab him. Probably three, mm-hmm. um, like mm-hmm. six to third. So, you know, and he's also potential leverage on the game, where yeah, the game the game hits, but it's because uh, you know Burrow throws for a lot of yards, but Mixon gets all the touchdowns. He scores three touchdowns and we've seen him do that. You know, I, I'm not a big Mixon guy, but he's done that before. Um, and I think he's still, he, he isn't like slowing down. I think he's still got some juice. He's still kind of the same guy he's always been. Um, so he would be an interesting way to play it right now, especially because we are going to find out, you know, somewhat soon what the deal is with Mixon. And, that will resolve in again a very binary way. Like he's either going to be going three rounds earlier in drafts or way, way later. So um yeah, I he's he's sort of an interesting way to attack that game. And then you can always you can always bring back Chiefs pieces. I mean, bringing back Chiefs pieces is the easy part. So, you know, a mix yeah. in Rasheed Rice, a mix in Sky Moore, a mix in Marcus Valda Scantling. I mean, that's that's super easy. So um that not to steam up Mixon because I don't really have enough. I drafted some big board of him, but uh, I I was kind of probably being a little too scared. Uh, I don't think I have. I only drafted four best ball manias or so so far, and it's been a lot of puppy stuff. But yeah, I think I'm gonna try to get some Mixon once the schedule comes out and I'm doing best ball mania again. Yep, I love the Mixon call. Um, I've been. It's one of those where he's he's not Deshaun Watson level, but it's one of those where I'm not trying to go out here and like flag plant this like human scum, <laughs> you know what I mean? So like well, and yeah. like the, and the argument always has to be like on show. You're like, 
I know what he did was fucked up, but the NFL is not going to do anything about it. And you have to like, like make this case as to why he's not going to jail or whatever. And it's like, that's just not very fun. And I don't, I don't like that, but I have been uh, pretty much very pro mixing in drafts uh, to, from, from the big board or whatever. I mean, right. he's going outside the top 100 in the, in the big board. And and I, like, of I course- started taking him there and then, then I got nervous. He was going to get suspended again. Um, and yeah, my, my takes are based on the way I'm drafting. So as much as, you know, I don't want to be put in my stamp on, you know, draft Joe Mixon, like I am planning to draft Joe Mixon. Yep. So. Same. And, and like, also some people would make the case he, and I, he has, he is regressing. He's not 23 year old Joe Mixon anymore, but like Bengals running backs are a fantasy gold mine efficiency. Be damned. Joe Burrow is a check down artist. He, he runs a smidge, but doesn't run a ton and he gets the ball out. Like when it's not there, right. When they, they run a kind of a unique offense, actually, when he gets one-on-one on the outside or, or they get to too high shell and they're running some kind of vertical on the outside. He doesn't really like <laughs> stick with Tyler Boyd to see if Tyler Boyd's getting open very often. It's like, Oh, chase. They they're, you know, they're, they're bracketing chase or they're bracketing T it's like, okay, they got too high. I'm going to get my four or five yards down to my running back. Like, Mixon and Pirine both catch a ton of passes, even though Pirine was playing on passing downs. Mixon still catches a ton of passes. Now, I'm not saying he's going to play on passing downs this year, but like eh, he could play a little bit more. It's it's Chase Brown and Travion Williams and Chris Evans right. behind him, you know. And like even if he doesn't, he's been going in the second second round for years in this kind of early down role in that offense. It's like it's kind of like a uh, as much of an of a, a potential suspension and a running back can, can be, it's almost like a tiny, tiny miss, you know, in where, where he's going. So I well, it could be him. a catastrophic miss. So I would definitely like keep it. I wouldn't be like hammering Joe Mixon in your best ball mania portfolio. Cause that'd be you mean with suspension. You mean with, with suspension. the suspension risk. Yeah. 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 So you do want to, I think you want to look back in prison, the prison, prison risk. Yeah, I'll say I mean, the Al, that, Alvin Kamara. Yeah. You don't, we don't want prison risk. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I think you want to be, and it's in a you don't want to look back at your uh 2023 season and be like, Well, I was super overweight Joe Mixon and that was a disaster. Like I'd still want to be um in a position where I could be like extremely underweight Mixon, uh, even though I took him a little Yeah. Yeah. I'll probably I don't know, I'll probably do another I guess I gotta plan out how many drafts I'm doing, but maybe like another 10 drafts through the end of May or something. Mm-hmm. And you know, if I had him on like half of those, that'd be that'd be kind of yeah. interesting. Something and I think like now is a good time to do it because maybe a third. His his price is not right. So this is what I what I was also um, gonna say as it relates to like DJ Moore. I think what gets missed in best ball specifically, I, I actually would not take DJ Moore in my season long managed like home league because he's a player, and I think Mixon is this. His price is not right. It can't be right. He is either right. under he is either underpriced because he's not suspended and they don't bring somebody else in, right, et cetera, et cetera. Or he is so he is either like shouldn't be drafted or is so overpriced that it's the worst price on the board because he gets suspended or whatever, right? His price can't be efficient. I'm not saying that uh that the Bears situation is the same, but we have a we often have a lot of these the 49ers quarterbacks are this way. But if the Bears run like they ran last year and they're as poor of a passing team as they were last year, DJ Moore and Justin Fields, frankly, prices are not right. They're overpriced. 
but mm-hmm. there is there is a scenario which we have seen a lot of times actually over the course of, of recent NFL history where team is really run heavy they can't throw the quarterback is young and maybe not totally ready to take that leap yet and then they bring in a really good wide receiver they bring in offensive talent they booster the offensive line etc and that guy takes the leap and they throw more and they throw successfully Josh Allen did this Lamar Jackson did this and just recently Jalen Hurts did this it happens a lot more than you think it's just there's only so many of those quarterbacks that ever come into play. We have no idea if the sample size is relevant or predictive or whatever, but in that sense, right? If Justin Fields and DJ Moore are the next Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs, they're underpriced. Stefan Diggs should be yeah. going where CD lamb goes or something like that. Right in that. Now you have to weigh probabilities and all of that. And so I, I totally get that, but like the 49ers quarterbacks are like the Joe Mixon. Someone is underpriced, like someone is underpriced and mm. someone shouldn't be getting drafted. I actually don't, don't agree with that one because I'm like, I think that it could be a lot of them play. A lot of them play throughout the course of the season. Right. So in but which, the, in which case, the, the, in which case the, just give the, me the pass catchers. The odds, and that is, and that is totally fair. But w- when we get to the results, Someone is not correctly priced, in my opinion, on the 49 because a, Pro- someone, probably, is gonna get, yeah. someone is going to get the first shot. And either that was by injury from Purdy and Lance's were just horrible or Purdy. Like, what if Purdy's ready for week one in the starter? He's, then he's not properly priced. He yeah. is not correct. He's not right. even close. It's not even. Yeah, that's a good even, point. I, I don't love that. him. Now, we don't we just don't know. We, we have no freaking right, idea. Right, so right. that's why they go where we go. But the, the price is is not efficient. And so anyway, I was just going to yes. add one chief. Yes. One one chief to your to your mixing thing, uh, and it's fitting. I wanted to bring this up because it's a it's a Sky Moore fade. But if if Sky Moore had not got now it's a, this is cheating. If he had not gotten drafted by the Chiefs and or we had not kind of steamed him up because we were excited about the the young second round pick, where would Rushy Rice go in drafts if Sky Moore hadn't happened? Do you think? I, I mean, I think he would end up in the eighth or ninth round where Sky Moore went. And he's in uh, probably, the 130s or probably something more like, like that the ninth now. because the, there's not a ton to like fall in love with in terms of Rasheed Rice's prospect profile. He's just a second round pick that the Chiefs took. Right. So I would say maybe it'd be more like ninth or tenth as opposed to like the seventh, eighth that we got from Sky Moore. I think there is something to kind of the the industry at large and, you know, a certain Wednesday night show hyping <laughs> the ever living shit out of him. Uh, it, I, I don't think that hurts his ADP, right? So, yeah, right. Um, I don't think you'll get that with Rice. I don't think there's like a Rice contingent that's just going to be like you know playing highlight reels for the dude. But yeah, I think he'd be in the ninth or tenth round, just as like, hey, uncertain situation. What? I, who am I fading? Kadarius Tony and Marcus Valdez Scantling. Like, yeah, right. give me give me the second round pick. And that and, and maybe he'll end up there anyway. I think we <laughs> might just decide. Yeah, screw it. I'm taking him in the ninth. I agree with you. The sky more is a, a fade right now, but only because well, not only because I mean, he was, it was a pretty disastrous rookie year, but one of the reasons is that if you want to be overweight sky more, um, or just want to be even with sky more or whatever, like you're going to have a chance to get him cheaper than this. That's my thought. Yep. He's just going to fall. There's no way. I mean, I've, I've been in situations cause I, I have my ranks on legendary upside, which you can upload and I've been drafting off of them. And one of the things that's been tough for me is that like I have I have Rice ahead of Sky Moore in the ranks, but Sky Moore's ADP has been ahead of Rice. So I'm like, well, if I'm trying to pull the stack off, I should actually be taking Sky Moore 
and then trying to get mm-hmm. Rice on the comeback. But, you know, and I, because I, I took Rice one time and Sky Moore went immediately. And I was like, I probably screwed that up. I probably, but I think that flips. I don't think a lot of people are going to have Sky Moore ranked ahead of Rice. Uh, and, you know, so I would be, I would be, I don't think I changed it in my ranks either. I think I moved them a little closer so that more wasn't like way down the list and you could make yeah. that decision if you wanted. But um, I think, I think Sky Moore is going to fall. And this is a situation where I'm also cheating a little bit and that I kind of want to draft both of these guys to the, to when it makes sense to draft both. Yeah. Of them, when it makes both sense, and it makes sense to draft rice now and more later. Exactly. Because I, like I, I was doing the cheating with the Sky Moore thing with the what would happen with Rice if Sky wasn't there. But that's part of the point is that we have a second round wide receiver with zero like truly logical impediments to if 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 we're all wrong. And I hated Rice. I could not believe they took <laughs> I could not believe they drafted him, uh, particularly with the other players that were on the board. Did you but see the slow mo hype video on Twitter? Yes. <laughs> he looks I mean, I know it's in slow mo, but he looks he so is slow. slow. He is. He's like, like he, it I don't impressive get it at all. I just don't get it. Like your running form but looks weird. I guess Mahomes wanted him or something, whatever. Uh, the chiefs are like the Patriots in evaluating these uh, skill position players yeah. uh, apparently, but I'm willing to admit to the fact that I can be wrong and the chiefs could be right. And it also could not matter whether I'm right there wrong or whatever, because I think MVS sucks. And guess what? Uh, when everybody else was out, he was put, he carried them in the playoffs uh, for, right. for a, ga- a game. But like, that's just what happens when you're attached to Patrick Mahomes. Right. Exactly. And so exactly. you have a second round pick, remove the name, remove our opinions of him, who has a former second round pick who was atrocious as a rookie, who has Marquez Valdez Scantling, Kadarius Tony, who hasn't stayed healthy or earned snaps in his entire NFL career, and Richie James. And Justin Ross, who has one leg, like what? There's nothing stopping this guy really from from getting there, you know. And so I'm just gonna kind of take that stand now, and then I agree that Sky will probably fall, and then I can get my Sky when I think he's a little bit more appropriately priced. And I'm mostly just worried about the Tony price, where I think I'm not gonna get any good prices on Kadarius Tony, even though I actually want to make that bet. So anyway, I just wanted to wrap with kind of some some uh, thoughts around the most fun game of week 17. What do you got uh, coming up today in the coming days? What's uh, what's coming out with leg up? Uh, yeah. So on leg up, you can check out a, an article that I just did. I referenced it earlier on elite tight end. Um, it's a pretty long article. Uh, it's like 6,000 word article, but <laughs> you know, what, <laughs> one of the, what are the, uh, the perks of being a legendary upside uh, subscriber is that, there is a premium podcast feed where I narrate the post. So if you want to just, you know, listen to the article as a podcast, you can, it's, you know, I'm reading it like I, you know, I, I am the guy who wrote it. So I've kind of got the <laughs> emphasis, the, the points yeah. that I'm making. There's a lot of charts in it that I kind of explain, but you can actually pull it up and, uh, you know, look at the charts as, as I read it. Um, if that, if you're kind of an audio type of person like I am, um, but yeah, I, I'm pretty happy with that piece. I think it uh, makes a pretty strong case for elite tight end is a very underutilized strategy uh, this year. It, prices have fallen on these tight ends compared to last year. There's a narrative mm-hmm. that was basically the entire position was disgusting outside of Kelsey last year. And I think that is true when you look at advance rates, but it's not true when you look at winning the tournaments 
Um, the drafters winner, the, the drafters weeks one through 17, most points was a Kittle team. It wasn't a Kelsey team. Kelsey was the regular season. Yeah. Kelsey was on the regular season winner King cat for underdog, but, uh, and he was on a number of other winning teams, but Kittle was on a lot of the winning teams as well as on my team. Um, but he was also, I mean, the fact that he's on the drafters team, I think is pretty eye opening, just showing you the fact that, yeah, he only had, he had three spike weeks, two came in the playoffs, which was absolutely massive for playoff tournaments, but it was just absolutely massive full stop. Cause there's not that many spike weeks at the tight end position. And uh, Andrews had three, Kelsey had three and Kittle had three last year. There were only 22 in total. So they had, they combined for 41% of all the tight end spike weeks. That's 20 plus half PPR points is what I used to define that. Um, Hawkinson, who was an early, but not elite tight end had another two. So those four guys combined for half of them. Hayden Winks has put out research showing that, you know, this is a, a phenomenon that basically there's not that many spike weeks and the elites do actually capture a huge share of them. So, and then, and Madison Parkville, who I referenced in the article, one of his articles has talked about when you're trying to win three straight uncorrelated single week tournaments, the odds that one of these elite tight ends goes off is actually fairly high. It's like 85, 90% that someone's going to do it. Someone. So right. if your portfolio is underweight, that, builds you're actually making a fairly big fade stance against all of those elite tight ends now it's not that fun to say draft all the elite tight ends and three of them are absolutely going to torture advance rates but we're trying to finish there's like six hundred thousand plus people in best ball mania like you're not going to like make you know you're you're lucky to get one team into the finals you know so you're very lucky to get one team into the finals so i think building ways that are going to actually increase your chances of getting to the finals. Um, and I think, I think this is one of those ways uh, I think is well worth a little bit of a ding to advance rate. So as you can tell, uh, I, I dove pretty deep into that. I also am working on some, some quarterback research um, as well, talking about, you know, the elite quarterback landscape ways we can attack that. Uh, I've got some work I'm doing on ways to spend your last round picks. So starting to have a little bit more time to write uh, and, and getting some of that rolling, rolling out now. That is awesome. And that is one thing I love. I mean, about a lot of the smart people, uh, like the people you mentioned, love Hayden, love Madison's work and everything. There's tons of other people that I can't shout every single person out, but I admittedly before I had dug, like you can't dig into every single possible thing, you know, over the course of the entire off season, I was one of the people saying, my God, man, tight end was just so bad. I just, I don't want any of these guys. And I, I do, I am the idiot who falls in love with some of these right late round tight ends every year that bust. Like, you know, I'm a Trey McBride guy. I'm a, I'm a Isaiah likely guy. I'm a, you know, Sam Laporta is, uh, is one of my favorite tight ends. Like I fall in love with these guys. I, I I'll own it and I'm burning money, but I was kind of of the belief like, well, now this year in particular, it, there's really less opportunity cost. And it was viewed through the lens like you were talking about. Yeah, advance rates were worse. Generally speaking, tight end was terrible across the board. So why would I take the guy in the fourth round when there's guys later who make up the, you know, keep it close enough? And then when you dig it, when someone like you digs in and and even like when you first started to mention it, not today, but um, when I, I think I, I heard you mention it before, I was like, 
uh, you, your, your episode with Pete, you mentioned it and I hadn't read the article yet. And I was like, I don't believe you, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, you're, you're like, you're like, I, I don't, is he right? And like, I that can't be right. And then I read, read your piece and I do some digging on my own and it, it kind of totally changed how I view the tight end position. Um, and so I totally couldn't recommend that piece more. And just obviously then everything that, uh, Pat is putting together. We just started here at Spike Week, something I'm pretty excited about. And it's really completely on the opposite end of the sicko scale that uh, that Pat, the content that Pat was just was just breaking down. If you're new to playing best ball, right, you just listen to this for an hour and a half. And some of the subjects may go a little bit over your head. We try to break it down as much as we can. But I know that not everybody is a complete, you know, best ball expert. I mean, I'm not even a, a, an expert. We've just been playing it for a long time. We're starting a series called How to Win at Best Ball. We released the first. It's both written and and a video series here on our YouTube channel. Um, I do actually be- believe that it's it's good for both seasoned players and new players. It's obviously geared for for new players, but having kind of a taking a step back, even as more of an experienced player, I find can be really really helpful, particularly at this point in the season. And the first the first video kind of goes through. We're calling the rules. So, you know, what is a playoff format? What is a cumulative format? What is this best ball mania four thing, you know, that they, that they have now, how scoring different on the different sites, how are the rosters different on different sites and all of that. And um, it, it helped me even as a person who's literally creating best ball content constantly. So we're going to have a five part series that should help new players get up to speed and maybe advanced players um, kind of just like sharpen their, their baseline skills a little bit. So excited for that. Check that out. Obviously check out legendary upside. And if you are not subscribed to legendary upside, what are you doing? And if you are subscribed to legendary upside, make sure you take advantage of that 40% out percent off discount here at spike week it's a pretty perfect little marriage you can go draft your elite tight ends you upload them in onto spike week. you can see all your elite tight end teams you can, you can see, see how much the elite tight end build was which by the way was my number one build last year more than you know hero running back zero running back double anchor you know all that elite tight end was the thing i took the biggest stand on of all my structures and i know that because uh whenever spike week exactly uh that's actually like probably my favorite part is seeing all the different structures because like you feel like you're a zero rb bro and then i got to like july of last year and i'm like what are all these double anchor running back teams doing on here like i don't remember drafting those at all you know so anyway (laughs) i do black um, out anytime i take more than one running back yeah exactly 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 um that'll do it for us uh today we'll be back Every, every single Thursday posted both here and and on, on Pat's YouTube channel. Enjoy the NFL schedule. And enjoy who our Lions are playing. Enjoy the Chiefs-Bengals game and, and all the fun that comes with that. We'll be launching some of our schedule tools here pretty shortly soon. But uh, for Pat and for myself, I'll see you guys next week.